Welcome to Taking Ship, a guided cruise through Dumbest Timeline America. I'm Ellie Jacobs, returning at last, and joined by Maggie Moore, who is working with not shaky interwebs uh, tonight, which is fantastic. She's working with excellent interwebs. Uh, Frank Spring is out bloodying his knuckles and feet, pounding leather and knocking doors uh, for some get-out-the-vote action. So he is not here this week, but uh, I am here with Maggie. Hello, Maggie. Hey, Ellie. Uh, and hey to all of our listeners. Um, and of course, uh, please be sure to leave us comments, uh, rate us, positive and negative, uh, because we actually do want to make a show that you enjoy listening to, uh, as opposed to just saying that you enjoy listening to it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at @takingship and that ship with a P as in put down your damn phone and go vote tomorrow. Uh, you can follow me at MaggieM012, Ellie at at Ellie Jacobs, and Frank at at Frank Spring. Right, so let's just dive in. We're going to try to keep this relatively uh, short, although we do want to give people ample things to listen to while they're waiting online to vote tomorrow. Uh, so clearly, there's only one thing on everybody's minds, uh, and it is tomorrow's election. Uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time chatting about that and then get out of here and keep reminding everybody to vote. Uh, we really like the app uh, Vote With Me. It searches through your contacts without saving anything, and it tells you all of your friends when they last voted uh, and where they're registered, and you can send them quick, easy texts to annoy the crap out of them. And uh, I highly recommend you do, you do so. Yeah, there's nothing I enjoy more uh, than social pressure. Um, and I'd also love to plug for everyone to please, please double check where you're registered to vote. Uh, almost every state election board has a place on their site for you to check what your voting registration address is. Um, you know, so some folks might still be registered in their college town or registered at their parents' house or at an old apartment. Um, so go and check it out to make sure you're going to the correct polling location. Really, all you have to do um, is Google your state election board uh, and voting registration, and that little search widget should pop right up for you. Yeah, and if anything comes up at the polls to, when you go to your polling site tomorrow, uh, there usually are election attorneys very close nearby. Um, and in all cases, you should get a provisional ballot regardless. Um, if they prevent you from voting, insist that you get a provisional ballot and do do it that way. Um, but uh, everybody should get out and vote, obviously. Speaking of getting out and voting, um, Maggie, you spent some time over the weekend knocking doors in Long Island, right? I did. I did. Um, so I uh, signed up for two packets in the New York 2nd District. Um, that's Pete King's district. Um, and he is being uh, challenged by uh, first-time Democrat, uh, Liba Gretchen Shirley. Um, she's a young mom, um, and it's really the first time that Pete King has looked at all vulnerable. Um, she's out, fun, out fundraising him, um, and it was close enough by Brooklyn, so um, my boyfriend and I decided to head out there. Um, so I took 2017 um, to sort of repair myself from the damages of 2016, which I feel all of us did. Um, so this felt like the perfect time to, to get back out. still working on a little. I mean, like here and there, it, it oscillates. Yeah. Um, but no, I felt super ready and excited to get back out canvassing because this canvassing to me is the funnest part uh, of working on a campaign or volunteering. Um, phone banking is great. You know, you still have to reach volunteers, but talking on the phone is so awkward. Um, yeah. I'd actually much, much rather talk to someone in person. Um, it's actually the most impactful thing, like all studies show that actual co contact with voters is the most impactful thing people can do with their time or money. Like, when people ask me who they should donate to or what they should do, like my first response is always go phone bank if you're not in an area where there's going to be a competitive race. And if it's a mildly competitive race, sign up to go knock some doors for a couple hours. 
Right. And it's, it's really, really easy. They give you a bit of a training. Um, and then most, most of the time, at least in my experience, um, we are doing voter turnout. So you're talking to folks who are more likely than not um, predisposed to support the candidate that you're also supporting. So you don't have to do a lot of um, convincing someone to, to vote for your candidate. Although we living, we're living in crazy times. You never really know who someone's going to be going to be voting for. Um, but uh, canvassing to me, um, is the essential way to get people out to vote. So one of the um, one of the uh, turfs that I took out, um, their polling place had recently changed. Um, so when I would ask people, you know, where's your polling place? And they'd say, oh, we're going to the fire station. No, your polling place is now at the public library. A lot of people didn't know that. Um, That's so huge, it, actually. Huge, and it feels because the the um, the fire station is was really really close to a couple of the houses um, sure. that I was at. Um, so they were just like, oh, yeah, it's just right over there. And would point, you know, a couple streets down. I said, no, it's actually at the public library. Uh, so leave a little bit of lit behind for them so they know um, actually where to go. Um, and my favorite, besides obviously getting people to turn out uh, to the polls, my favorite thing about canvassing is the weird slices of life that you get to see uh, yeah. when someone opens their door and you can see a little bit into their home and you get a little flavor of what their day is like. I remember uh, getting invited into somebody's house somewhere in Philly and this is 04. Mm -hmm. And it was by far and away the strangest GOTV interaction I ever had. They invited me into their house. The guy poured me a drink. He had me there for like a half hour. He really didn't like John Kerry, but he really hated the war in Iraq and he really wanted Wesley Clark to have been the nominee and he was really not sure he wanted to vote for John Kerry so he didn't think he was gonna go vote. It was such a strange interaction, but yeah. super nice guy. And, and it, you know, I, I, he, he sent me an email after uh, and said that he did go vote. He didn't vote for president, but he voted for everybody, but he voted Democrat for everybody else on the ticket. That's it was just so nice that he sent me an email. Yeah, and what's interesting is like- And I remember this 14 years later. Yeah, like those moments to me is like a, the perfect microcosm of, of the things that can happen in which some people, A, just really want someone to talk to. Yeah. They haven't spoken, to, like a lot of times uh, when I was canvassing in North Carolina, pe people just, they were um, older folks that were living alone and hadn't spoken to anyone in a couple of days, so they just want to talk to you. That was actually yeah. the first interaction that I had, uh, the first time someone answered the door uh, during my first shift, was a woman uh, in a wheelchair and she comes to the door and she's saying, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you've got my support. By the way, these are all Long Islanders, so they have like a little bit of the accent. So everything yeah. was just the comedy was dialed up on everything. Um, and so she was talking about how she was really um, upset by people not thinking that diversity was a good thing, um, which was really great. But then she spends the next like 15 minutes pointing out individual Halloween decorations in her house and being like, my daughter made that one. I painted that one. The, 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 the bats over here are new. And I was like, oh my God, I have to leave. But she just wanted to talk to me uh, about her decorations. I was like, oh my God, I'm trapped, I'm trapped, I have to leave. Um, but you know, she's like, I, I don't know when I'm gonna get to the polls because I, know I need to like figure out bus transportation. And I told her, if you have a cell phone, uh, Lyft or Uber will come and pick you up free yeah. that day. Uh, and she didn't know that. So uh, she, downloaded, uh, she downloaded Lyft right then, which was great. Um, and, uh, and we're, all about, we're all about Lyft on this podcast because they do really good things with our, with our friend Matt Zeller and his group, No One Left Behind. Exactly, exactly. So if you're not sure if you can get to the polls or if you're not sure if the bus will come and pick you up, um, get yourself a car. Do it for free. Feel fancy. Why not? Yeah. Um, 
there was another woman, um, this woman who was in her seventies. I remember it was, I remember her because she was the only house on this particular street. So I had to backtrack a little bit to go get her. Um, and I knocked on her door and you could tell she was, um, she looked much older than her age said on her, um, on my packet. Um, and you could tell she was, um, uh, she'd been a long time smoker. You could smell it in the house and she had a really difficult time speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, she had a hard time raising her voice and, she said to me, um, you know, I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. I hate Donald Trump, but I love Pete King. What do I do? Hmm. And I didn't really know what to say to her. And so I just started saying, you I know, like- she's I, far from the only person with that mentality. I completely agree. And this was probably a woman who'd lived in this neighborhood for a long time or on Long Island for right. her whole life. Um, so I just started Pete talking been, to her. Pete King's been camped out in that seat for what, 30 some odd years? 30, 25. Yeah, 25, yeah. 30 years, I want to say. So she's probably, he's probably the- the congressperson that she's known her for most of her life. And, um, you know, it's just, I just started talking to her about like, yeah, these times are really, really scary. Um, I, you have a little bit of time to think about who you want to vote for. Um, cause you don't have, you have till Tuesday, but let me tell you about Liba. Um, she's like, Oh yes. Who is he? I was like, well, she's a woman. And I pull out my campaign light and she was really surprised that it was a female candidate. It's like, she's a young mom. Um, she's got two kids. Um, she is for, you know, lower taxes, lower taxes for Long Islanders and uh, education and employment opportunities for women. And she was happy about that kind of stuff. And she just said like, I'm, you know, the thing that I see around Long Island, I'm really scared. And then she started talking to me about the caravan. Oh God. And I went, oh no. And she's she like, watches a lot of Fox News, doesn't oh, she? Oh, she, she has to. Um, but she said, oh, you know, um, now, now answer me, can, like, help me with this. Do you, do you think that they're plants? And I was like, excuse me? She's asking me, like, do you think that they've been paid? Do you think that they're fake? And oh, she's like, going down the Soros line. It was wild. And I was like, man, oh, you know, these, these folks are Holy fake. crap. Oh, my God. It was wild. Oh, my God. So, and she's like this very frail old woman. And I say to her, you know, man, these are folks that are fleeing violence. Um, they want opportunity. They want to protect their families. And I too want my, make sure my family is safe. So I completely understand, you know, why they would take, take this big of a risk. And if they are taking such big of a risk, um, it must be because they're in danger. And then she says to me, do you, well, they look so round. And I was like, round, what do you mean round? And she's like, they look so well fed. If they're fleeing and walking oh, all that crap. way, if they're walking all that way, don't you think they'd be skinnier? And I was like, I a don't know what to say, and right. b. I mean, that's kind said, of a like, good. That's kind of a good point, but really no. weird. And so I turned to her and I said, "Well, I've been walking for several hours today, and I still look pretty good." And she <laughs> laughed because I was like, "I can't engage with such yeah. crazy talk," so I'm just gonna like move right along. But so afterwards, you know, she she takes the campaign lit after we I moved us on from the caravan, and she said, "Can I look her up on my computer?" And I said, yes, you can. You can learn about her on your computer. And she said, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming over to talk to me. And she was really effusive um, with her gratitude for me coming over there. And I left, even though she was a little bit kooky, yeah. uh, I left that house feeling so good. That's awesome. So good about being able to talk to a woman who just, A, was really happy that I was there, wanted to talk to me. And like, yeah, I had a, little, a couple crazy opinions, but genuinely right. wanted to talk through some of her confusion about this kind of stuff. That's amazing. And it's also like that, you know, say what you will about Donald Trump. And I, and I say a lot, but the, him, you know, harping on this caravan thing that's a thousand miles away that like, if they got Hus Usain Bolt running at top speed 
you know, 25 miles an hour or whatever it is, it would still take like a month for him to get here. He like, he turned it into a thing. I, I, I was on a, I was part of a debate, ostensibly a debate against a guy who looked and was dressed like he flunked out of like rodeo clown school um, about essentially about the caravan on I-24 two weeks ago. And I got called a globalist and this guy was just spouting like Donald Trump mad libs essentially. But Trump like picked up a thing like he knows that his base and the people and the way that he can motivate his people to get out is about this immigration thing. Mm-hmm. And that, like he so he just doubles, triples, quadruples, puts everything on top of that where I think it was um, I think it was on Sunday. Uh, Paul Ryan, the speaker, the outgoing speaker of the house, because he's resigning because he's a wuss and spineless, even though he you know, P90 Pauly, as we call him on, on, on oh, taking yeah. ship. Uh, his chief of staff or senior advisor or something um, tweeted something out about the economy. Obviously, the economic numbers are amazing, and any sane person would be just campaigning about the economic numbers. And he, and he tweeted something out. It was something along the lines of, like, um, we're going to be, camp- this is all we're going to be talking about for the next three days, right? No. No. And the problem isn't just that Donald Trump is a xenophobic racist asshole and has created fear where no fear should exist. It's that there is not a single Republican who has stood up and said, no, mm-hmm. that's the bigger issue. And that's where I like, you know, if I were able to have gone and knocked doors, like that would be a conversation I'd be having with people. Like, yeah, there's not a single Republican that stood up like, okay, you don't like this guy and you're not, but you like your current guy, but your current guy hasn't done anything about the guy. Well, so here's the other thing that is interesting about Long Island is that um, they have a large Latinx population. Yeah. And, with and the it's M- also the hub of the MS-13. Thing. I was just going to say with the MS-13 presence that's there, that kind of rhetoric is super, super real yep. for, um, older, um, for older Long, for older white right. Long Islanders. Yeah. So um, like uh, this woman who, the woman who was pointing out all of her Halloween decorations was saying to me like, the guy that lives across the street, he's an Indian. The guy that lives next door, he's Latin. He brings me food. It's great. Like, she's happy about it. Um, but she was talking about her other neighbor, who she said was a racist prick, in her words. Mm-hmm. Um, but that uh, in the neighborhoods that we were in, it was, it was pretty mixed in terms of, like, uh, the kinds of names that I was seeing on the list uh, or folks that come to the door and um, really didn't speak that much English because their first language was Spanish. Um, but that, that is so present for people in Long Island, which, like, yeah. Uh, which then when you sort of weigh it against like um, what was that woman? I feel like I saw this quote on Twitter of this woman who was talking about her like vacation homes in Minnesota and was like, Oh they, yeah. That they're going to invade yeah, her so vacation home, which is batshit. So it's a thousand miles from New York to Minneapolis. It's the same thousand miles. So she's got like four months to prepare if she's really worried but that's the thing. It's like, like the, the rhetoric that their congressperson has done nothing to stop still feels super, super present for Lady in Whitey McWhite Town, Minnesota, yeah. as it does on Long Island. Um, yeah. So, so that, was, that was interesting to, to see play out. But most people um, didn't seem all that racist. But. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we, we, you and I have talked about this, and, and Frank and I harped on this for a long time, where you start talking about, you know, when Hillary Clinton said half of his supporters are deplorables, which is something she never should have said in public. But when you actually look at the math, it's the same 20% of the population who don't think he had an affair with Stormy Daniels and don't think he ever does anything wrong. I mean, these are the people who will like, you know, 
lap up his urine if they had the opportunity to. But the bigger issue is that it's not just that group of lunatics. It's the broader group of people who are quiet racists. Mm. Yeah. People who like, they watch the Fox News and they get all hyped up about the immigration thing, but they probably work in a very mixed environment. Their neighbors or some of their best friends might be, you know, African-American or Latino or Asian, whatever else it might be. But quietly, they harbor some really gross horrific thoughts and that's the group of people that i think polling has a difficult time capturing but donald trump has figured out a way to activate them well those people are motivated by shame so that if a pollster calls and you're talking to another person you're much more likely to not answer as truthfully as you would have because it's embarrassing for those folks who are motivated by shame to say that they're voting for donald trump well when you're in the ballot booth it's private you could do whatever you want um so yeah no i think that's exactly right yeah it's the what is the bradley effect that's what it's called of of, from the uh the uh Mm -hmm. first african-american mayor of los angeles i think his last i'm pretty sure his last last name was bradley and like pollsters call it the bradley effect where if when they, they talk to somebody, they're not going to say, I'm not going to vote against the black guy. Yeah. And yet they're going to go vote against the black guy. Right. Exactly. And like, that's what people were terrified with, with the polls in like, Oh eight, all mm-hmm. these people saying they were going to go f- vote for Obama, but you get in that booth, maybe white, white, white comes out and yeah. Yeah. Well, before we move on to the next segment or topic, uh, one other great story Always good. Always time for stories. (laughs) So I, um, I knock on a door and I, it's a woman that I'm asking for. Her name was Mary Ellen and a guy comes to the door, um, with a pack of Newports in hand and a lit Newport. A lot of people smoke it in their homes, uh, in Long Island, but you want your home, you can do whatever you want. So knock on the door and he answers and he's like, hello. And I was like, yeah, I'm, is Mary Ellen home? He's like, yeah, who are you? I don't even know if that's a Long Island accent, but I'm just No, that's, it's pretty, yeah, you're pretty much there. Okay, so he's like, yeah, who are you? And I was like, oh, my name's Maggie. I'm a volunteer with Leave Aggression Shirley for Congress. She's the, the Democrat running, uh, and I'm hoping that we can count on your support, you know, blah, 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 this Tuesday. And he goes, oh, hey, man, it's for the voting thing. And I was like, oh, my God. He's just, like, shouting into the living room who I can't see her. Right. And he goes, yeah, 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 like, don't worry about it. We're going to vote. We, we always do it. We're going to vote. And I was like, cool. And I'm, like, trying to walk him through the plan and. And uh, he's like, you want to go in the morning? Yeah, we're going to go in the morning. <laughs> and I was like, okay, great. Like, do you know your polling place? He goes, it's at the library, right? Yeah, it's at the library. Like, talking back to me, I was like, this is insane. And then I hear from the back of the living room, like, ask her if she wants a bottle of water. Do you want a bottle of water? And I was like, no, 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 I have one right here. So she has one. Okay. Like, it was the most insane. That's epic. It was That's just like- him shouting stuff back and forth and her in like the darkened living room who yeah. I can't see. That's like everybody who loves Raymond thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. Ask if she wants a bottle of water. You want a bottle of water? She's already got a bottle of water. <laughs> Do you feel you had good lists? Because that was like a big complaint um, in 16 that a lot of people working precincts had really outdated crappy lists. That's a good question. So if I'm being honest, so we did two shifts. We did 12 to 2. And then and we You were doing it through the campaign, right? Not like through a through yeah. a outside group? No, I was doing it through the campaign. Um, so we did 12 to 2, and then we did 3 to 5. Um, so the 12 to 2 shift, like 80% of people didn't answer at the door. Um, hmm. They're out running errands. Like it's, it's Saturday afternoon. Like they're yeah, not yeah, home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of the people who did come to the door, 
Uh, a lot of them said like, oh no, Mary Ellen isn't home or whomever. Right. Um, so the first packet was kind of a dud. There was, um, I talked to a couple people, um, but really not that many. Second packet was a bit more of a mixed bag. So my first turf was really spread out. It took me a really long time to knock all the doors. Um, but the second turf, so we knocked all the way through Copiag, which is what mm-hmm. I believe the name of that town is. So we went to Lindenhurst. Uh, and Lindenhurst had a lot more folks who were undecided or people who were listed as Democrat who said they were voting Republican. Hmm. Um, there was one woman who said, like, are you sure you don't have me confused with my daughter? Um, I've been a lifelong Republican. I always vote Republican. She was really nice about it, um, but was just like genuinely confused. Yeah, um, but that's yeah, fair. I got, uh, there, And then there was a couple homes that I went to that had like two or three Pete King signs in the yard. Um, yeah. That and said they were registered Democrats. I was like, I'm, just, I'm not going to waste my time going over there. Yeah. But then in that Lindenhurst packet, the people that I saw that I met that were enthusiastic were very enthusiastic. So it was kind of all over the place. Um, and I'm not really sure like what the data game is like for a congressional or sort of like how different that is um, from the resources that are put into a presidential. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it felt it didn't feel bad. Like it didn't feel like it was a bad mix. No, no that's good. I, I mean. It- she she's run a really interesting campaign and like you said is probably in the best position to take him out in years but he's one of these guys who's just going to die in that seat so it's all about turnout and yeah, that's which like is why i got my ass on lirr yeah. the saturday morning yeah but that you know that's really what you know, people have been asking for my predictions and and whatever else and i just keep coming back to the fact that well a and most importantly, polls are not predictive and any like that's a, it's like a mental leap that some people have to like go through that mm-hmm. polls are not predictive. They're just not. And more importantly than that, when polls say within the margin of error or toss up, that's legit. Like mm-hmm. you have no idea who's going to win, but like over everything, I think this, this election more than maybe any other in, in, in that I could, since in my voting time is there's a massive question about new voters. Like right. how many new registrations did you get? Like did Beto get a million people to 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 register in Texas? I have no idea, but if he did, he's going to win. Mm-hmm. Otherwise he's going to lose by 6, but like that that's the huge question. So making predictions I feel is like almost futile. I mean, we're going to do it anyway. I think that being said, you want to do something? Yeah, we're going to do it anyway because <laughs> we're because we're irresponsible. Yeah. But I mean, that's the big, big, big question. Like there has been so much passion and so much smart, unusually for Democrats, like smart systemic thinking to get people registered that it's really hard to tell what's going to happen. Like Pete King could lose if there's 200,000 new voters in his district. Mm -hmm. So with those caveats, let's make our predictions. Let's lock it in. Oh, boy. So we'll start, we'll start with the easy one. We'll start with the house. What do you think happens? Just like overall? Yeah. Flips or not? I think it flips. By, Uh, by a wave or? No, I think, uh, I don't, no, I don't think that's true. Mostly because like, um, it's just really hard to get out volunteers, uh, in a midterm, um, which is like, but I do think that I do think it's going to flip. I do think it's going to be close. Um, do you agree? Yeah, me too. I I think, you know, I I think when people six, eight weeks ago, and I know Frank also thinks this, you know, six, eight weeks ago, people were talking about blue wave of, you know, 60, 70 seats. Like that's just sheer, you know, that's fanfic. I think, you know, you need 23 to flip it. 
mm-hmm. I think, you know, the 25 to 30, maybe 35 region is what we're really realistically looking at. It's going to flip, but it's going to be, it's, it's not going to be a wave. It's going to be like barely there. Um, but in the house, that's super important because it right. is straight, because it's straight majorities. And as soon as those gavels change hands, that's when like responsibility can come back in. And my local Congressman, Jerry Nadler is currently the ranking member on judiciary. And, you know, he will be the person that, and again, I don't think that this should even be part of anybody's verbiage, but should impeachment come up, it has to go through him. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the fact that it's flipped and, you know, the fact that Devin Nunes is no longer going to be the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Like Adam Schiff is a super responsible dude. Like, I don't think he's going to go chase, you know, MacGuffins, but the fact that he's not going to be kowtowing to, to Donald Trump is, is, is phenomenal. So I think the fact of the matter, like even if you win by one seat, that all the gavels are going to switch is going to make Donald Trump's life hell, um, probably just create absolute chaos in the government and nothing's going to get done for the next two years. Here's the thing, though. How much shit is actually getting done now? Exactly. No, no I mean, the <laughs> shit that's getting done is not good. Right. Like, it's judges and taxes. Which, and, dereg- and deregulation. <laughs> and deregulation. God. Which, you know, why should any of us be able to breathe, let alone our children? So then you I just, don't have... Just get more sunblock. <laughs> just get more sunblock. Stand under umbrella. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Buy, buy stock in, in, in Coppertone. God. Well, I don't have... I don't think I have an answer to this question, but I would be interested to hear what you think. We get the house back. Who do you, who do you want to be Speaker of the House? So... I, what I would like in an ideal world to happen is for Nancy Pelosi tomorrow, Wednesday morning, to come out and say, based on the, you know, the results that we've seen so far, it looks like the Democrats will take the House. Uh, I will be running for Speaker. Uh, I promise to only remain in that seat until the August recess. Interesting. Because between Pelosi, Hoyer, and Clyburn, and God bless them all, but that's like 185,000 years of experience. They're so goddamn old. They are so old. And Nancy Pelosi just keeps getting more like little nip and tuck here, little nip and tuck there. And she's starting to look a little bit like Skeletor, which not a great look. Oh, but, so don't talk about what Nancy Pelosi yeah, looks yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But they need to figure out a way to bring in new people. Like yes. I, in my ideal world, Sherry Bustos, the congresswoman from Northern Illinois, mm-hmm. she would be the next Speaker of the House. Like that would be my ideal world. Second to that would be Tim Ryan from Ohio. Find somebody from quote unquote flyover country. Mm, interesting. Who's more or less, you know, more or less a centrist just in the fact that they can, they have voters who are people on the other side, as opposed to people like Hoyer or Pelosi who have never had to, you know, they haven't run a competitive race in 40 years. Right. So that would be my ideal world that Pelosi does it but with a timeline to exit so that there's enough time for her to kind of put things in motion because she knows the systems. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see her doing that, but uh, I read a statistic today that half of every dollar, the democratic the democratic house campaign committees raised, she raised. She's a bad bitch. Which like, is through nuts. and through. Yeah. She's, she's a, a killer. She's an absolute yeah. killer. 
which I think though, like, killer. but that fact being what it is, I think also lends itself to what you're just saying. It's like, yeah, it'd be nice if she said that she would be in power for a finite amount of time. But like, if she knows that she's that good, she's not going to want to step away. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just a fact, especially but, you know, when we're like, I could see her making the case of like, we're in a very scary time. You need a skilled hand to guide the house through this moment. It's like, no. Yeah. Yes, but no, like I get yes, it. Yes, but no. I and, and I mean, part of the thing is, is that like, there are all these people campaigning who are saying they're not going to vote for her. A good chunk of those people saying that are in districts that they're not going to win. So they don't right. lose anything by saying they're not going to vote for. Right. There's a handful that are on the margins and they might win and they could create problems for her. But I, it's also secret ballot. So they don't necessarily, they're not necessarily held to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really boils down to who challenge, who actually steps up and challenges her. You know, Tim Ryan did a couple of years ago and he got, you know, some smidgen of a percentage of, of, of the votes, but the fact that he stood up and did it was a big deal. Right. Um, you know, our buddy and friend, Seth Moulton, if he's going to do it, I mean, he's, kind of crazy enough to to do that but it seems like he's pretty dead set on running for president so maybe he doesn't want to do it um it could be a mess but i i think in reality what we're going to end up with is the pelosi hoyer Clyburn thing which in all honesty like I, I i like that idea but i don't want it to be for the next two four plus years like mm-hmm. i would really like them to step up and do in my mind, do the right thing for the party and say, we're going to do this to make sure that everything's solidified. And then we're going to step aside and bring in new blood. Right. I would love that transition plan. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I'd never would have thought of something like that. So yeah, I am, I'm totally in favor of that. Um, it would be, it would be, yeah. I mean, it's fanfic, but, <laughs> but it would, it, it would be, it would be a really smart idea. Um, yeah. All right. So we're both agreed that it looks like the house is going to flip. Um, but we're also agreed that it, it's not going to be some kind of lunatic blue wave. It's going to be like a drop of rain kind of thing. So <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, light drizzle. You know, you don't really need an umbrella. But like if you're wearing like nice clothes, you might want one. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. So let's move to, uh, let's move to the Senate. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll just go out. I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off. I don't see the Senate flipping. But again, I couch all of that in, in the fact that we don't know how many people have been registered in the last six months. Yeah, I mean, there's the, there's the difference, though, between being registered and then actually voting that way. Yeah. Like, the, like a voter, early voting and voter registration numbers are indicative of one thing and one thing only, and that's enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And now as an organizer in 2016, the importance of the early vote is beaten into you with a, with a sharp object. I couldn't think of one right then. Um, Cause that's money in the bank. Um, so I think I tend to put a lot more weight and importance on voter reg numbers uh, and early voting numbers than actually exists. Um, but no, I think I agree with you. I don't, it doesn't look like we have that high of a chance of taking the, the Senate back. It's not going to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go like a couple specific races. Um, sure. Does Heidi Heitkamp pull it off? Oh boy. Well, here's the thing. Um, this also is not a take that is yeah. originally mine. I can't take credit for it. Well, um, those are the best kinds of takes. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> women are often perceived as being more liberal regardless of their party. 
Um, so Heidi Heitkamp is in a tough position in that she's a Democrat running in a red state and then um, and if she's already, if voters just naturally perceive her as more liberal, it puts her in a tough place. Yeah. So she really has to run, you know, a camel through the eye of a needle or whatever the fuck that metaphor is. Um, I really don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I think so. I hope so. Um, what do you think? I, I, I really hope so, but I, I just don't, I just don't see it happening. Uh, yeah. I think she was in a tough position before the Kavanaugh thing and the Kavanaugh yeah. thing, his, her opponent played it smart and it's North Dakota. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Well, taking the same, the same, uh, going in the same route, uh, McCaskill. I would never bet against Claire McCaskill. <laughs> I would never, ever, she will work. She works harder than anybody else. Yeah. She just outworks everybody. There was, and this is a crazy thing to say, but there was actually a great New Yorker article about her uh, two weeks ago. And in it, he quotes a speech uh, that, that, or a chunk of a speech that she gave. And she says something along the lines of like, I'm going after the voters who shower at the end of the day, not the beginning of the day. Ooh. And I had never heard it quite put that way. And I was like, holy crap, Claire, Ooh. that's amazing. She's not playing around. That's really good. I like right? that line. Yeah. That's good. Plus, Josh Howley's an asshole, and Missouri's a disaster. So I, I'm, I, I, I'm very, very hopeful on Claire. And, and like I said, I would never, I would never bet against her because she just outworks everybody. So true. Let's do, uh, let's do Florida with uh, the incumbent Bill Nelson against the current governor Rick Scott. First of all, Rick Scott looks like Lord Voldemort. A little bit. I was going to say it looks like a penis, but yeah, we'll do the the (laughs) G-rated. We'll do the G-rated one. Right. He just has this like, not only are his policies very Voldemort-esque, but he has that look, if you will. Yeah. Um, Florida has been one, I'm not going to lie, that I haven't been following all that much. I feel like we should have done Florida last, but all right. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like It'll be close. I feel like there's a real chance of getting Scott out personally. Um, but yeah. no, I, I, don't, I don't think I have too much of a, a beat on it. Uh, what do you think? Well, so I have a friend who's a, who's a Republican consultant doing a lot of work down in Florida, and he is dead set convinced that Gillum's going to win the gubernatorial race, which is fantastic. Um, and I think that Gillum wins that, Bill Nelson wins the Senate. I think, like, I think mm-hmm. that it's going to be pretty, you know, the get out the vote is going to be tied, I think. So I think that that'll be the X factor. If, if Gillum pulls it off, which I think he's going to, um, I think Nelson then pulls it off as well. Fingers crossed, man. I mean, Florida's a fucking crazy place. Um, and also that debate clip of um, Gillum, holy. Yeah. I could, I could eat that for breakfast every day. Yeah, right? Racists call, racist thinks he's a racist. Ooh, that was just the, so good. So good. All right, well, let's run quickly just through a couple more, and then, sure. and then we'll, we'll close this out. Um, Nevada. I'm so glad that you know how to say it correctly <laughs> um, instead of ugh, Nevada. What do other people say? Um, man, I hope so. I know a lot of really great and talented organizers in Nevada, um, so i got to put my money on them, and I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I don't know. I, I think that I think that in my mind, um, the three that I, I I would be unwilling to put any money on whatsoever are Indiana, Arizona, and Nevada. Nevada. I, I just <laughs> I got in your head there. Sorry. Yeah, you got in my head. 
I just, I just don't know about the three of those. Um, I think that um, Donnelly is in a good position in Indiana to, to stay in his seat. I think Cinema's in a good position to, to, to take it in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Nevada, I just, I just don't know. I think Jackie Rosen's run a hell of a campaign and Dean Heller is just a spineless asshole. Yep. But I Nevada, mean, like polling in Nevada is like, is, is historically awful. Right. Um, so who knows? So yeah, I, I think it's going to be, it, we'll see what voter turnouts are. I mean, do you think Beto pulls it off? You know, I don't want to be a cynic. So I'm going to say yes. All right. Because fuck yeah, we got a lot of good people in Texas and I'm behind them. You know, I, I just, you know, the numbers that, that, that I've been basing it off of really kind of damn him, but he, and I think he made some like strategic mistakes trying to attract like national attention and national dollars that probably hurt him in Texas. Um, but he's, he's, he's been a fantastic, I mean, he's a, he's a political animal. Like, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a real all-star racehorse. Like he's fantastic. Um, I don't know. I, I do not think he pulls it off, but like I said, who knows what registration numbers are like. And I think in Texas in particular, um, it could be an absolute game changer. I, I mean, it, it, the state has, you know, there's always been talk that it's going to flip at some point and then it's sort of purple, even though it's deep, deep red, but it's still kind of purple. So who knows? It might happen. All right. So those are our predictions. Um, I'm also going to go out on a limb and say Stacey Abrams wins in Georgia because I oh, really want, fuck her, yeah. want her to. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we've been talking for a while. I think we're gonna just going to skip the next thing that, we're t- that we were going to talk about, and we'll talk about it next week. Um, we'll move on to just the idea that the 2020 election is going to kick off in Ernst on like Thursday, mm. and that's terrifying and awful. And my list of 50 names uh, on the Democratic side, who, which it's just compiled of people who have been mentioned in the press or people who are really smart and plugged in have mentioned to me, um, it, it's, it's not, it's not pretty. It's, it's not a good, like, I'm totally on board. Like, let's dra- like draft LeBron. Let's do it. Like, that's where I'm at. You're that just like tired of it all. Just yeah, fuck it just all. Draft LeBron. Let's do it. <laughs> like, Oprah's not going to run. Like, let's, let's just draft LeBron. I'm, I'm, I'm down with it. Although Oprah has some street cred now. She did some canvassing. So I'm like, she all did. right. <laughs> she did. She did. Can you imagine Oprah comes to your house and your house is dirty? Right. Like that alone motivates me to clean up my apartment. <laughs> that's not that. That's all right. Well, like that's like Oprah is now the boogeyman. Like, you know, you have to clean up because the boogeyman's going to get you. It's like clean up because Oprah's going to knock on your door. Well, it's kind of like, you know, make it, make the, make clean the bathroom. So the queen of England could come in here and use it. It's like, no, it could be Oprah at right. any time. Right. It could be Oprah. It could be Oprah. There was actually, so when I worked in, uh, uh, President Clinton's office, uh, you know, years and years and years and years ago. But afterwards, I continued playing like in a poker game with a group of the Secret Service agents, and they told me a story that like they were driving down the West Side Highway, and one of them or the president—I don't remember the exact details—like really had to go. So like they pulled off the West Side Highway and just like pulled up to some random building and knocked on a door. <laughs> oh my God! Really? Yeah. That's not secure at all. I mean, it's like who there's a guy who's randomly hanging out in that building who's <laughs> who's plotting 
Well, no, you can't, you can't even go into the White House if you're a felon. Right. And you're so not like, supposed to have, you're not supposed to have digital devices in the Oval Office, but Kanye had his phone. So no rules apply anymore. With the password that was all zeros. What an yeah. idiot. That was just epic. And was the tweet that he put out that he's backing out of politics because he got bad information, was that like legit? So it wasn't that he was getting bad information. It's that he realized that he had been like tricked and used as a pawn or whatever. And I'm like, okay, Kanye. Okay, sure. This is the guy Um, that wore the fake contacts to go meet Trump at Trump Tower. Right? Just absolute insanity. It'd be so much better if his music wasn't like, I mean, I'm not a huge Kanye fan, but like when you hear a song, you're like, all right, that's pretty good. Yeah, early Kanye still slaps. I don't like the new yeah. stuff, but like it yeah. slaps, that's for sure. All right, so with that all in mind, let's wrap this thing up. Yeah, well, I for one am not looking forward to 2020's uh, race starting just as soon as uh, Thursday, Jesus even though Christ. that's 100% true. Um, but why don't we just try to get through all of this just one step at a time. Let's just not make Iowa a state for the next 18 months. Which is fine. I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, And New Hampshire, uh, like neither one is a state for the next... 12 months like let's at least just slow this thing down a little bit seriously um but the most important step for slowing this shit down is taking time out of your day to go and vote tomorrow um and we would also like to request that you vote for us on your favorite podcast platform um and follow us at at taking ship and that ship with a p as in please 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 vote tomorrow maggie's being nice about it but (laughs) it's not please just go fucking vote Go but do your civic goddamn duty. PH. Right, with a fucking PH. Fucking with a PH because it's taking ship. <laughs> yeah. You know what it is. There it works. It works. Exactly. So with all of those nice and not so nice reminders, Ellie, where are we headed this week? So this week we are actually headed to Chile um, to check out the uh, gigantic observatory there, the European Southern Observatory's Very Large Telescope because they have a super awesome name for it, the Very Large Telescope. Apparently, there is a black hole at the center of the Milky Way called Sagittarius A that we're all circling, and it's basically like just kind of like circling around the drain because eventually we're all going to get sucked in. And the only way I think that any of us are going to be ready to deal with another two years of this insane level of electioneering is to just get sucked into a black hole and end it all. So we this week, we take ship to Chile to ensure that it's all coming to an end soon. And we welcome death with open arms. We do indeed. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys.